We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. B. Mitch Finley, 1067 The Fan. This is a great time of year for sports. A great, great time mm-hmm. of year for sports. I think you've got NFL free agency next week. New NFL league year. Whatever the hell is going to happen with the Commanders. Whatever the hell is going to happen with Lamar Jackson. I mean, just so much going on. Then you add March Madness on top of it. We're going to go to MGM next week. We're going to go to National Harbor, watch the games from there. I'm going to go to Over Under on Saturday. Uh, By Sunday, my wife's going to be like, you need to come home and hang out. Uh, It's just, it's an elite time of year. The first weekend of the tournament, then you get to... Sweet 16, Final Four, NBA playoffs are around the corner, NHL playoffs are around the corner. Man, I hope the Caps get in because playoff hockey is so fun. If the season ended today in the NHL, all right, so one, two, three, Bruins, Leafs, Lightning are in. Hurricanes, Devils, Rangers are in. And then you get two wild cards. Yee. Island. Mm. Islanders are six points clear of the Caps. Penguins are five points clear of the Caps. That doesn't even mention the Panthers that are two points ahead of the Caps. Going to need to get hot down the stretch, B. Definitely. Right now, though, I wanted to talk about NFL free agency, and specifically ESPN put a list together of best and worst free agent signings in the last five years. Because as much as we all knock the Albert Hainsworth signing and the Adam Archuleta signing and the Antoine Randall L signing, there's been a lot of bad signings. I don't think the but comm- they were all bad. Sure, I mean we could go around the room and each name a bad one if we want. Um, Hainsworth is the headliner, obviously. I think in the last five years they haven't been that bad. Largely, they've grown more conservative. But ESPN put together a list of the last five years' best and worst free agent signings. Mm -hmm. We can run through the whole NFC East if we want. We can each make a guess at who was the best, who was the worst. For the Eagles, I mean, they just signed, Landfill's Eagles just signed Hassan Reddick, three-year, $45 million deal last season. He was fantastic in the playoffs. Yeah, he, he was fantastic. More than just playoffs. He was terrific in the playoffs. I think you can't say that's he a bad He had 16 deal. sacks and forced five fumbles. Three and a half sacks and six quarterback hits in the playoffs. Yeah. All right. Who would we say in the last five years is the worst signing the commanders have made? Jeff, you start. This one's pretty obvious, but there are a couple other ones I would you throw mean in. all around the league? No, no, no. Just, just here. Burgundy and gold. Okay. In the last five years. Last five years. William Jackson the third. Ding, 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 ding. 
That's where I was going. That's what he couldn't check me. <laughs> I think that's what ESPN William said too. Jackson and then following it up with Carson Wentz. That's bad. Now, technically, that's a trade, not a free agent. Still, let me read you. What it the, was a trade because nobody else because we didn't let him get the way we should have got him from free agency because he probably wouldn't have come. Can you imagine if Carson wouldn't have come here last year? Who who else was signing him? That would have been great for the Commanders. Yeah, I mean they. They got lucky that Russ Wilson wouldn't come. Maybe they would have gotten lucky and Carson Wentz wouldn't have come. Mm-hmm. On William Jackson III, after losing Ronald Darby to free agency, Washington quickly signed Jackson to a three-year deal worth up to $42 million with $21 million guaranteed. But Jackson was a poor fit in Washington's defense. The commanders wanted to expand their coverages, so Jackson's ability to play man was desirable, but they did not anticipate how much he'd struggle while playing zone. He made too many mental errors that resulted in big plays. Washington finally admitted the fit was bad for both sides and traded him to Pittsburgh in October along with a conditional 2025 seventh-round pick in exchange for a conditional 2025 sixth-round pick. That's not a trade, folks. That's basically cutting a dude. Yeah. Um, 2025? Who knows if we'll even be alive? The aliens might have taken over. We don't even know who will be the owner, the coach, the quarterback, nothing. Just a disaster. A nice guy. It, here's the thing. We could talk about the man and the zone thing. Every team in the NFL plays zone. Probably on more than half of their snaps. Probably closer to two-thirds of their snaps. Something else was broken there. And I put a lot of it on Jackson, but the, the staff, whatever happened, was, was just a mess. You can't bring a guy into a team and tell him you bring him in for one reason. And then you try to get him to do something totally different. If you are a true man guy, you react to things differently than a zone guy. Zone guys are passive more. Man guys are going to react to every every movement they see. And, yes, he probably could have tried to adjust. But just like Albert, you brought him here to be something, then you get here and you want him to do something else. But we blame the player. I blame them for even much signing him and saying, oh, we're going to put you – you know they didn't tell me changing up all your stuff when they were signing it. But then he get it, you're going to try to do it. Once he got the money, then what the hell? He's good then. Now, I just did a brief Google search. Um, and this is from, this is a while back. This is from 17. But I would guess that these numbers hold somewhat steady. This is from Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. Uh, the league is overall a zone-heavy league. All 32 teams combined to run zone coverage on 59% of snaps. Let's even say that's dropped to half, mm-hmm. which I doubt it has. But let's say it's 50-50 zone, man. The inability to play zone when you're going to play it, no matter what damn team you're on for 50% of snaps, somebody messed up. And I think Jackson had to be a big part of that. But I, I, they got to own some of that, too. They got to own some of it. But, see, let me break something down for you. There are teams that play zone, but you know what? They have one particular cornerback that's not playing man. Not playing zone. He's playing right. man. D Green, D Green did a lot. Zone too. D Green did a lot. Dion did a lot. They're in zone, but no, no, I'm man. But they, they, they were so fast and so good to where they could be in man and still be playing parts of your zone for you. And I think that's the thing that a lot of those stats don't pick that up because they don't understand right. all that. And it's they just look at the overall of a defense. Defenses are complicated to where we can have people playing zone on one half and other other half playing man or, or vice versa. How do you want to do it? And 
one of the pitfalls to me for pro football focus is is they try to measure intended outcomes when they don't know what those outcomes were intended to be. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm with you. I'm just saying I, I think it's oversimplification. Like, oh, he's a man corner, and they asked him to play zone. They, clearly something I, else was messed up. No, there. I don't think that's just, that's just the final thing. I think the way that they told him he was going to be used, he wasn't being used, and he was the type of person where I'm going to do it my way. Right. Which when you start doing it your way, now you're screwing up the overall defense. William Jackson III is the correct answer here. Where does Ryan Fitzpatrick land on the worst free agent signings? Well, let's go. That's just as bad because he rolled in. He was hurt real quick. He played basically a quarter for you or less than a quarter. You followed him up with William Jackson. You know what I'm saying? So those two together has to be as bad as anything we've seen in the whole league. I would just argue that the decision-making process at quarterback has been so bad, starting with the decision, hey, you know what, we're going to roll a Fitzy. How did you land there? How did you look at, at, at across the spectrum of options and land there? Now, he got hurt. Who knows what would have happened? But the, the myth of Fitzpatrick so far outpaces the reality of Fitzpatrick, and I just you knew he was either people old. bought that he was S either too. tragic or magic, okay. But you were banking on him being more magic than tragic. We've watched him have three hundred yard games, come back in the next week and throw four interceptions. So he's a he's a roller coaster ride, and if you decide to go into your season with that roller coaster ride, who has been. Basically, a, a career journeyman. That's a problem. Just look at all the quarterback moves we made thus far, and tell me that it's been upper echelon. I don't think it has been. <laughs> it's been bottom echelon. Whatever, whatever the bottom of the echelons are. What's the deepest part of the ocean, landfill? Place where they Mariano's find all them, French. What is they, it? Where they find all those weird animals and stuff down there. What, what's it called? I think it's called the Mariana's Trench. That's yeah. the echelon they're in at court. They got animals look like they were in the prehistoric days. The Mariana's Trench. Let's go down there, Landfill. Get us a submarine. Go check it out. Now, the flip side of this, what would you say? Who would you say is the best commander's free agent signing in the last five years? Free agent signing. Keep in mind, folks, free agency is open in less than a week. In Tampering period starts Monday. Five years. League year. New league year next free Wednesday. Signing. Last five years, best free agent signing. Not draft pick. Not new contract for your own player. Free. Well, uh, I wouldn't say that. I think he's been good. But I don't think that's a bad choice. Who's been better? The initial deal for Logan Thomas I thought was pretty good. Yeah, but he had one year. Yeah, then he got hurt. Um, I, I think the first year you could have said McKissick, but now the, this knee injury, the, I'm sorry, the neck injury stuff. They, yeah, all that stuff. Um, Fuller would be part of it. You want to know what ESPN says? What do they say? You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Lanville, you ready? You sitting down? Jeffrey? 
Taylor Heineke, quarterback, 2020. This is from ESPN.com. I, I, can, I can see that because you look at what he's done. He, he, Like I said, the day you and I were talking, and I said, we want to get rid of the guy who basically covered our asses. He covered some asses for two years straight. Did he not? Put down your glasses. Shake your asses. He covered. Let me just read this. Best signing, Washington Commanders, Taylor Heineke, quarterback, 2020. There have been other hits, tight end Logan Thomas among them, but Heineke way overplayed the status he held upon signing. He signed in December of 2020. He was living with his sister, sleeping on her couch as a fourth quarterback who would play only if COVID-19 impacted the position. Who knew? <laughs> go, go back in time to that signing. Who knew what was going to impact that position? The stripper party. Mm-hmm. But when he did play at the end of the month, he provided a spark. Over the past two years, Washington tried to find a quality starter, but because of injuries, Heineke was always needed. He started 24 games, throwing for 32 touchdowns to 21 interceptions. Heineke wasn't great, but he kept Washington competitive. The team went 12-11-1 in his starts, compared to 3-7 and with anyone else. I go with that. I think two things. I think that is fair, and I think it speaks to the value Heineke brought the organization. It also speaks to the lack of free agent success. Totally. 100. I don't I I I agree with this list, frankly, and the fact that that's the answer does nothing but suggest the aggressive mediocrity we've all come to know here in D.C. It doesn't all have to be aggressive mediocrity, though. It's J.P. Finley, and spring is in the air. It's time to start thinking about enjoying the great outdoors again. Whether you're planning on hosting a barbecue or soaking up some sun, Offenbacher's has got you covered with the highest quality outdoor furniture, hot tubs, swim spas, and game room merchandise. Picture yourself relaxing in a hot tub or getting a vigorous workout in a state-of-the-art swim spa. Have some fun in your backyard or game room. Offenbacher's carries the most beautiful, comfortable, and durable products to bring you years of enjoyment. No one beats their quality, prices, services, or integrity. Offenbacher's has just finished an expansion of their Herndon showroom. Come see an even bigger selection of merchandise to choose from, including a clearance center where you can find a whole bunch of heavily discounted stuff priced to sell immediately. Check out the Herndon Showroom or any of their locations, Herndon, Annapolis, Rockville, or their sister store, Great Gatherings in Gainesville. Visit Offenbachers.com, and don't forget to mention that B. Mitchell Finley. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Pimich Finley, 106.7 The Fan. You looking for action? The players going on down in Jacksonville, Ponte Vedra. Great golf tournament. But you know what? Yesterday, B. Yesterday, I got my first real taste of March. If anybody knows me, you know that I say in D.C., winter's not over till after St. Patrick's Day. So we're getting this weird March winter, even though February felt like April. Yeah. So it's cold, and we're leaving the office yesterday, and I'm standing there with Anthony Haney, proud Syracuse alum. Cuse is playing Wake Forest mm-hmm. in the ACC tournament. Uh, as a kid, I used to go to games at Wake, and I was just happy to antagonize Anthony. Wake Forest hits a three with .2 seconds left, and I was screaming, loving life. They hit a ridiculous turnaround jumper to tie it up earlier in overtime, and it felt like March. Buzzer beaters, Mm -hmm. college hoops on TV, messing with your buddy. Got me in the mood. Got me in the zone. And now we're going to preview the Terps Big Ten tournament game tonight. And maybe a Big Ten tournament run. Nobody covers Maryland basketball, Maryland sports better than my guy, Jeff Ehrman. Jeff joins us now via the BetQL guest line. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. Check them out, BetQL.com. Jeff, what up, man? How are you, buddy? What's up, JP? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm good, dude. Did you watch that Wake-Syracuse game yesterday? It was awesome. Yeah, I saw the end. That was pretty wild. I was thinking, you know. That was the real end because, hey, I'm I'm done. Literally the end. I mean, I was thinking, you know, like, no matter how salty Bayheim's been over the years, people don't like him, whatever. That's sad. Imagine going out. You know, he knew. No one else knew, but he knew when that shot went down. So imagine that's your last game after 79 years of coaching, or whatever, to, to lose on a buzzer. <laughs> it feels that's like gotta, 79. That's got to be pretty, pretty painful. Speaking of painful, I bet on Wisconsin last night, and they were losing Ooh. by 30 at halftime. So that didn't Ooh. go very well. <laughs> yeah, that one was a little surprising. Ohio State's gotten better the past couple weeks or so. They've had several wins, obviously, as Maryland fans know, because Maryland went out there and lost. So uh, not your typical Wisconsin team. Seems like every year they're like a top four-ish team in the Big Ten, and right. just didn't happen this year. So let's talk about the Terps here because they're, they're, they're kind of limping into the tournament here. Um, they lost to Ohio State, and then they lost to Penn State. I was playing golf. Was it Sunday, right? I'm playing golf, so we're not watching. We're, my buddy would check his phone like every half hour, and it was like, all right, Terps are up 10 at halftime. This thing looks easy. <laughs> and then we check at the end, and they lost by a, a, a single point at the buzzer at Penn State. What the hell? This team can't win on the road. They're not playing the Big Ten tournament in College Park. Where are we at? What's going to happen tonight? Well, I think the good news is they've been pretty good on neutral site games. You know, they they pounded Miami early in the season, you know, just dominated that game. We're up by, I think, almost 30 at one point. Miami's a top five seed in the NCAA tournament. They hammered St. Louis, which is a pretty good team in that same event. And then Tennessee, as poorly as they played in the first half in that game in Brooklyn, went down by 20-plus points, came back and had a chance to win. So they've actually been really solid in the neutral site games, you know, what it is, what the different actual like mental or physical or uh, psychological difference is between those two. You wouldn't think it would be that big of a difference. Obviously you have a 
you know, more uh, antagonistic crowd going against you in the true road game. So I think if you're Maryland, that's, or a Maryland fan, that's what you're hoping for is that the, the neutral site thing carries over. All right. So neutral site, they've been okay, bad on the road, good at home. Uh, tonight they play Minnesota. Do I remember correctly? They beat the tar out of Minnesota like a month, six weeks ago. Didn't they beat them by like 35? Yeah. Um, I assume that was at home, but I think they also beat them up in Minnesota. What What yeah. about tonight's matchup specifically? Yeah, actually the bloodier one was on the road. They beat them by 35. That was Damn. Maryland's, I think it tied their largest margin of victory in any Big Ten game and broke their, their record for a road margin of victory in the Big Ten. And then they beat them at home pretty easily. Both games, they were up by exact exactly 20 points at halftime. They match up really well. You know, I, mean, I thought Nebraska would advance. That, would, to me, was a really surprising upset. Nebraska had been playing really well toward the end of the season. Uh, Minnesota plays four freshmen for 20 minutes at least per, per guy, per game. Dawson Garcia, uh, who's not a freshman, is a seven-foot, a really good player, one of the best big men in the, in the Big Ten. But realistically, Matt, Maryland matches up so well with them. Minnesota playing on its second second day in a row as a team that won two games all year in the Big Ten. I think that this is one, you know, that there's a reason why it's a 13-point spread. Maryland should be fine. Damn, 13 and a half. I'm looking at yeah. one of these things, but. You know, what, what, what can be the expectations, though? I mean, do you think they can make this run or when they get into the NCAAs, make some runs there? I mean, I don't see why not be, Mitch. They, especially in the Big Ten tournament, it lines up pretty well. They, you know, should win tonight. And then you play Indiana, a team that you beat by double digits during the regular season. Obviously, that was a home game, and Indiana can be really good at times. So That was the one game know, I went to this year. I, I, yeah. That may have been a factor, too. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely it. That's what I wrote, actually. But, um, <laughs> but you know, they, that game probably is a pick 'em. You know, or maybe Indiana's favored by a couple points just because of the public uh, perception. But you know, I think that anyone's capable—not anyone, but any of these top five or six teams in the Big Ten are capable because there's really no one that's that scary. Purdue is the semi-heavy favorite to win it, but they've been very flawed. They've been a borderline 500 team for the past several weeks, so I don't remember since Maryland's joined the Big Ten, I don't remember any year where it was anywhere close to this wide open, and then as you know, in the NCAA, a lot of it, like they say, you know, styles make fights, so it's going to depend a lot on the matchups. You know, you don't want to see a team necessarily that has like uh, a dominant interior presence, something like that, but but, yeah, I mean, this is a veteran team. That's something you want. It's a team with a star guard. That's something that we everyone always talks about in March Madness, how important it is to have that dynamic lead guard. So, you know, I think that they're capable of it. Are they also capable of going one and done? You know, probably. All right. Um, talking with our friend Jeff Ehrman from Inside Maryland Sports. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Jeff underscore Ehrman, E-R-M-A-N-N. Nobody has more Terps news than Jeff. Uh as a D.C. sports fan, I'd like to run through disaster scenarios. Um, <laughs> I, they shouldn't lose tonight. Minnesota's terrible. They're in the tournament no matter what, right? Yeah, yeah. I okay. think that they're in no matter what. All right, so that's our disaster scenario. They're in regardless. Let's ne- see. Well, next week's what matters. So <laughs> let's let's talk about seeding for next week. Because I'll be real, the ACC tournament mattered to me. The Big Ten doesn't. Um, we were outcasts mm-hmm. in the ACC. I feel like we're outcasts in the Big Ten. Maybe we're just outcasts. It's probably 
how I am, how I am. Um, next week, where are we going? What are we talking about? How much could they help themselves? How much could they hurt themselves? Let's let's go big picture on this thing. Yeah, I think we always have a tendency to overestimate how much the conference tournaments affect seeding. You know, every year we're sitting on Selection Sunday saying, oh, this team did this in the conference tournament. Why didn't they go up? Or they lost in the first round. Why didn't they go down? So it matters, but I don't think it matters as much unless, you know, you go to the finals or win it all. You know, so obviously if they get to the finals, that'll help. If they want it all, be Purdue, then, then you're going to jump up. But generally speaking right now, it seems like, the consensus has them as a number eight or nine seed. That's, Oof, that's you know, just that's such the game, a gut obviously, punch. Yeah, you want to avoid because then all the projections have them playing, you know, Houston or Kansas or someone like that, you know, one of the number one seeds in the second round. So, you know, if you can win, if you can at least um, get past the semis, get to the finals, then I think that gives you a chance to get off that get off that eight, nine, get to the seven where you'd be much more comfortable with your second round uh, opponent. But, you know, realistically, if they were going to climb to a five or a six or or be locked into a seven, they needed to do it last week. Those two road losses really hurt. Yeah, I mean, not to mention, if they had won one of those games from last week, would they have had the double bye and not have to play tonight? Yeah, they absolutely would have. And not only the double bye, they would have been the number two seed. They would have been the two seed if they won one of those games last week? Wow. Yeah, so they entered the final that final game at Penn State uh needing to win and needing Oh my god. and needing Nebraska to win at Iowa to be the number 2 because Iowa held the tiebreaker. One game made a lot of difference, seemed, don't it? Yeah, which seemed like a big long shot. Of course, you know, they they lose at the last second. Nebraska does pull off the upset at Iowa, so they would have been the 2 seed if they could have just held on for a half a second in that last game. Oh, my God. I wasn't aware of that. It's probably better I wasn't aware of that, frankly. (laughs) Um, All right, so I think they're going to split. I think they win tonight. I think they lose to Indiana tomorrow. Should that happen, we're talking eight or nine and then facing Houston or Kansas. That's what it seems like. So where are they going to ship them off to, like Birmingham? Is there a a site in Texas? Yeah, I have seen Birmingham. I think I saw Des Moines. Obviously, if you're a Maryland fan, you're hoping for Greensboro. You know, or maybe Columbus. Nobody you know, on not... the planet wants to go to Des Moines. Even the people that yeah, live in no... Des Moines, they want out. <laughs> Nobody wants to go to Des Moines. My brother's That's a long there. way. And... Really? Yeah. How'd you? How'd your brother land in Des Moines? John Deere. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is a lot of flat land and gray, gray skies. No, and as soon as you got a chance, there. you move back home. I want to see the yeah. whole world. If I never make it to Iowa, I'll die okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I've been there a few times when I covered the Big 12, and it was, um, yeah, what you'd expect, basically. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Columbus wouldn't be bad, I think. That's not too, you know, it's not close to home, but it's it's doable. Greensboro and then uh, New York. But there's not a lot of, like, super close, great, you know, perfectly convenient destinations. So, you know, it's impossible to say where they'll go. I think, you know, you just have to hope that it's, it's a – somewhere where they're not in that 8-9 game and preferably, you know, not facing a number one seed in the second round. Oh, man. I mean, you're – you know what, though, dude? And tell me if I'm wrong. As a – I mean, Terps Hoops has been a huge part of my life forever. Gary, I've talked about effusively. Um, just getting in the tournament's a big deal. Turgeon quit on these guys last year. And, and it's Willard's first yeah. year. It's largely a collection of, like, transfers and stuff. Uh, just getting in is a big deal, right? 
Yeah, it's, it's definitely a big deal. Look at the, I mean, when you looked at the preseason, everything had them as number 10 or below in the Big Ten, anywhere between 10 through 12 preseason, you know, because I write, write about all this stuff constantly. So I read, think I read every preseason bracketology. Nobody had them as a tournament team heading into the season. So to be able to do that in your first year, you know, he didn't. it's not like the Louisville situation where you inherited a team that just didn't have any talent. But, you know, there was some talent there, but it wasn't, there wasn't a star. He brought in the star player, Jameer Young, that put them over the top. And he quickly instilled his culture, which is obviously toughness and defensive-minded basketball. And they're a pretty relentless team. So I think, you know, you have to give him credit for what he's done. He's clearly exceeded expectations. And like every fan, college basketball fan knows, uh, Going into March when your team's not in the mix is a very deflating feeling, so the fans Sucks. can enjoy that. Uh, yeah, we are a pro-Coach Willard show. We're all in on Coach. Oh, yeah? Um, <laughs> quickly on these, um, I know UVA's in. Anybody else from the DMV getting in? Like AU going to win their tournament, their conference or anything? I would be, you're going to have to get Naki on to answer that one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Let's get Naki tomorrow. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. dude, this is not your wheelhouse, but who's going to get the Georgetown job? You know, that's an interesting question. You hear a lot of names thrown around. Ed Cooley, people seem to think they would have a chance with Ed Cooley from Providence. I don't I wouldn't know Providence resources. Yeah, I don't know why. That's his home his home school. Plus they play in he the Dunkin' good, Donuts Center. Yeah, he's got a great arena. He's, he's you know, he's set for life there. He makes good money. But Mike Jones, the dude. Am I crazy? Mike Jones from Virginia <laughs> no, Tech. Mike Jones' name has been mentioned. You know, it would be a good if you're I trying to him go for the Maryland job. If you're trying to go for a you know, a guy, a starter guy who's going to, you know, have a ton of upside, maybe not, definitely not cost as much as some of these big names and who you might be able to keep around for a long time. Nobody else, you know, that has those kind of local ties that he has on the flip side. It's always a big risk taking a guy who's never been a head coach for a fairly major yeah, job. Yeah, they've sucked for so long. Who cares? <laughs> it's true. This is true. And, and but the, uh, and then, you know, he you, you do hear that he could go back to ODU, that, that that might be his first head coaching job. That's where he played in college. So Where's Jeff been, going then? That's been talked uh, talked about a lot. I, there's just been talk about that job opening up or when it opens up that he'll that he'd be the guy. So you could be waiting for that. Interesting. Um, uh, Jeff, we got to run. Name. Okay. Let's do it again next week when we know where they're going, okay? Sounds great. Thanks, fellas. That's All our man. guy, Jeff Ehrman. Give him a follow at Jeff underscore Ehrman. Don't go anywhere. We're talking NFL free agent. Be Mitch Finley, 106.7 The Fan. My guy, Jay Nate 1906 says, man, I'm Team Bezos. Give us Prime Stadium. If they're going to change the name to Red Wolves, then cool. Otherwise, give me the guy with the funds to make what the majority of fans want happen. Uh. I don't think they're changing the name. Do you think they're changing the name if they get a new owner? Do you? I don't think it's happening. I don't think the league wants them to. No, no. Bro, you know how because the league don't like to do hard too much. it is to rebrand. The, yeah, they keep changing, and they'll feel like you know we, they look mediocre. Then landfill. Been reading, going down the rabbit hole of the internet. I don't want you. Usually, Jeff is our conspiracy theory guy, but uh, need you to to listen to something here. A lot of talk about Lamar Jackson. A lot, yeah. a lot of talk about Lamar Jackson, and people assume that the Ravens have the upper hand, which is why they gave him the non-exclusive tag. Mm-hmm. Tom Pelissero, NFL Network. Tweeted out a few minutes ago. 
The NFL reminded clubs in a memo on Wednesday that next week's two-day negotiating period applies only to unrestricted free agents. So for the six franchise-tagged players, they can't talk to them, including Lamar Jackson, no contact is allowed with other clubs until Wednesday. You get no tampering with free agent with tagged players. Mm-hmm. Ian Rappaport quote tweeted this. Complicating factor. If a team signs Lamar Jackson to an offer sheet, Baltimore has five days to match it. That knocks that team essentially out of free agency and loses them any other available quarterbacks because they are paralyzed in cap space just waiting. Not impossible, but hard. So you can't even talk to Lamar till Wednesday. Deals are going to start Monday. Mm-hmm. So you're already two days late. Yeah. Then let's say, pick your team. Detroit? Houston? San Francisco? Mm-hmm. Washington? What the hell? Pick your team. They, on Wednesday, which doesn't technically begin until 4 o'clock, Wednesday afternoon, say they're able to get a deal done with Baltimore, with Lamar. Uh-huh. They then have to wait until the following Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, before they know it's done. Maybe Baltimore will be like, all right, done deal. Give us the two ones. Maybe. But they could drag that out the whole time. They could. And you know what you're doing? Not helping your team with anything else. Does Baltimore, they they tagged him. Does he count against their cap tell you off off of their books? It's a great question. I know, JP. That's why I ask it. I think the answer is yes. Well, so let's be clear about something. If I sign an offer sheet, I'm not signed to a deal. That's just an offer sheet. Well, you haven't signed it either. Once you sign it, it becomes a deal. But I'm saying, if I sign an offer sheet, until it, it goes till that whole thing goes through. If Lamar I'm going signed to, I'm going the tag to sign that now, tag. I'm signing a tag. Yeah, yeah. Then it, so I sign the tag. If I'm Lamar. I'm signing the tag Sunday or Monday. My understanding, and and one thing I want to point out, any anything you hear about. Salary cap in the NFL is a guess because they keep that stuff super buttoned up. Mm-hmm. Over the cap and spot rack do a great job of providing information, but you're you're leaning on the best guesses of very informed people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, my understanding is because of the guaranteed nature of the tag, as soon as you tag a player, that money immediately goes to your cap before the player signs it. Yeah. If you go to over the cap right now for the commanders. You've got Deron Payne with a $19 million cap number on there, even though it's best of my knowledge, Payne hasn't signed that thing yet. And that's largely a functionality of the old school escrow stuff, that when you have a a one-year fully guaranteed money, you got to have the money in the bank. Mm -hmm. And if you think back historically, how the commanders, uh, they were the Redskins then, how the Skins signed Josh Norman, the Panthers tagged Norman. Yep. They eventually rescinded the tag because he hadn't signed it yet. Mm -hmm. That's why he became a free agent later in the process. Yeah. 
So you got to account for that tag money right away, which means. So he's on the Ravens books. I mean, I'm going to pull it up right now just via over the cap, but. Baltimore Ravens. Sure is. $32 million cap hit. So for Lamar, Lamar doesn't sign that tag. They're stuck with that 32 mil at this moment. And if they get to the point like the Carolina Panthers and say, well, we're going to rescind it, boom, he becomes a total free agent. Mm. Sure is. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to run through the commander's free agency situation because you're going to start hearing a lot soon about teams trying to get their own house in order before – the tampering period and free agency opens next week. Let's do that next on B. Mitchell Finley. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 